Tommy Pham called his former teammates lazy. Is that why the Mets were terrible this year? We'll discuss that more on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we will discuss the uh, long piece in The Athletic about why the Mets were so terrible this year and Tommy Pham's money quote that everyone's discussing about some of his teammates not working hard. Then in the second segment, I will go through the Binghamton Rumble Ponies' uh, second playoff game, how they've advanced to the championship series thanks to a dominant pitching performance by Dominic Hamill. Then we'll close the show with a little recap of the first game of the Mets series against the Phillies on Thursday night. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com, search Locked on MLB, or enter promo code Locked on MLB for a free water bottle with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Now, today, the biggest news around the New York Mets, outside of the Rumble Ponies going to the championship series, was an article written by The Athletic that tried to detail what happened to this Mets team this year. It's titled How the $445 Million Mets Crashed and Burned. And there was one big quote that really stole the show from Tommy Pham, talking about his teammates were lazy. But but we'll, we'll get to that. The story opens up on the series against the Detroit Tigers, where the Mets get swept. Remember, this is when Scherzer comes off his suspension, Verlander off his injury. It was a turning point in the season, you thought, where all right, the Aces will you know, end up rallying together and this season will get on track because the Mets are paying these two guys $86 million and it's a team that was supposed to be too big to fail. Well, they end up getting swept. They you know, have a terrible June. And the article talks about Pete Alonzo was pulling Buck Showalter aside in his office to just apologize for his terrible performance. Uh, and as Tommy Pham said in the article, the Mets had a effing terrible June, which we all know they went 7-19. Pham has all of the big quotes as he really has been vocal since leaving the New York Mets. In the article, it says he respected Lindor's accountability as a leader, how he worked hard, never placed blame on others. Pham says he told Lindor, quote, out of all the teams I played on, this is the least hardest working group of position players I've ever played with. Wow. And that single quote did get taken out of context because all of a sudden we saw, you know, WFAN amongst other places pinning that quote in the laziness, so to speak, on Lador, Alonzo, and Nemo, where if you simply read the article, which I understand it's behind a paywall, really rough, for some people to, to get that subscription to the athletic. 
it, it says, and further explained his comment later, he added that he held a lot of respect for the work ethics of team leaders Lindor, Alonzo, and Brandon ML. Those guys, as leaders, if they're hard workers, you would hope that would pass on to the rest of the club. Brandon Nemo discusses it, saying in the article, each person needs to assess that individually, said of the club's work ethic. You can only lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. Ultimately, a lot of this comes down to individuals and what they're willing to do. So if the Mets were lazy, and it's specifically the position players, Tommy Pham's not calling himself lazy. He's not calling Lindor, Alonzo, or Nemo lazy. So who could be lazy? Who could be, again, back to the quote, the least hardest working group of position players I've ever played with. Well, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, part of this team at spurts. Beatty and Alvarez the whole year. Vientos was the one who was up and down. Those are kids. I don't think that Tommy Pham would have been pinpointing those guys, especially when Francisco Alvarez has been heralded for his work ethic. And I just find it hard to believe that Beatty and Vientos, who are trying to get their footing, would have been part of a lazy group. So who are the other veterans that could be lazy? Mark Canna, a guy that Tommy Pham was in direct competition with for playing time. Starling Marte, another guy he was in direct competition with for playing time. Jeff McNeil, Daniel Vogelback, Eduardo Escobar, Louis Guillorme. Were those the lazy players? It certainly feels like Jeff McNeil would be in that bunch based on his counter in the story. Quote, guys are super professional around here. We go about our business. Everybody comes ready to play and does what they need to do. Here's the thing. When you lose, the clubhouse chemistry usually erodes, and that's where people point fingers. Tommy Pham has pointed a lot of fingers, and rightfully so in the sense that he was not the problem for the New York Mets. Although, his numbers weren't great early on in the season when the team was playing well, ironically enough, and then when he hit, the rest of the team didn't. I'm not blaming Tommy Pham. Of course, he was hitting. No one else was. But it's not like he was always a model of consistency. He got great down the stretch, but throwing his his former teammates on the bus and and blaming them for what happened to the Mets. I think ultimately it's a little bit short-sighted and really, I think the pitching is as much to blame as anything else. I mean, the position player group, have they been great all year? Absolutely not. But I don't know if it's laziness that led to Starling Marte being a shell of himself this year. If anything, I think it's a double groin surgery that he clearly Never healed from, was never right with all year. Jeff McNeil, what was it? Was it a guy who was lazy? Or is it a guy who went to the World Baseball Classic, was supposed to be the man, lost his job as the starter on that team, did still play a role. But remember, it became Trey Turner and Tim Anderson up the middle. McNeil ended up getting relegated. Maybe lost some confidence there. I don't know. But he struggled in the early part of the season. He's come around lately, but come around in games that didn't matter. I don't know. I'm not going to pin the entire season on him. The article wants to point to Edwin Diaz. It talks about the World Baseball Classic. And I do think that was a big part of what happened to the Mets this season. They also discuss how the rule changes uh, that came into effect. The Mets didn't have as much time to get ready because they didn't have a typical spring training. We've heard Buck Showalter comment on that as well how he wasn't able to get his team ready the same way he would have wanted to because they didn't have time. 
As much as you want to blame the World Baseball Classic, Brandon Nimmo points out in the article that the Mets got off to a good start. They had a great West Coast trip early in the season. They were 14-7 and through their first 21 games. Here's more what I look at. Edwin Diaz being out, yes, big, big part of it. Verlander and Quintana being out at the beginning of the season. Quintana the whole first half. Massive blows. Max Scherzer being inconsistent, having the suspension, having the little injuries where he was you know, having to pitch through stuff, giving up a ton of home runs. That killed them. Peterson McGill being awful. All of that contributed. Here was the bigger thing for me, though. Again, they started 14-7. and seven. You look at April 22nd to the end of June. The New York Mets went from 14 and 7 to 36 and 46. They went from seven games over to 10 games under. They went 22 and 39 in that span of what is that? 61 games. 17 games under in 61 games. During that span, Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor, they each got on base at a sub 300 clip in that span when the Mets were horrible. Tommy Pham applauded their work ethic. But guess what? Those two guys in key spots in your lineup not getting on base at even 30% of the time kills you. Jeff McNeil hit 249, 301 on base, 309 slug. He had a 73 WRC plus. Again, WRC plus is way to runs creative plus measure centers based on a league average of 100. So Jeff McNeil was 27% worse than your league average hitter. Starling Marte hit 262, 298 on base, 327 slug, a 75 WRC plus, 25% worse than your league average hitter. Daniel Vogelback, 207 average, 299 on base, 347 slug, and 81 WRC plus. Got nothing from guys like Nervais and Nito as the backup catchers. The guys that did hit during that span was Tommy Pham, Francisco Alvarez, Brandon Nimmo was still solid, not great, but still. He had a 115 WRC plus, so he was still above average. And Mark Cannon was slightly above average during that point in the season when the Mets were a disaster. Can you point to some laziness from some of those guys that were performing? You can, but again, when you look at Alonzo and Lindor, if they're not lazy, they also just weren't producing. And as Pete Alonzo went to Buck Showalter and apologized for his horrible performance in June, that certainly helped crater a team that, again, went 7-19 and 19 that month. The bigger thing, though, in that same time period we're talking about, a 61-game stretch of the season where the Mets blew it. Tyler McGill led the team in starts along with Kodai Senga during that span. They both made 11 starts. Senga, 3-2-6 ERA. Not the problem. McGill, 6.08 ERA in 11 starts. Killed you. Max Scherzer in 10 starts. 3.96 ERA. Justin Verlander in 10 starts. 4.11 ERA. Your two aces pitching combined to an ERA over four. Kills you. Carlos Carrasco, eight starts. 5.03 ERA. David Peterson, five starts. 7.77 ERA. Joey Lucchese, overall this season, has had good numbers. And the four starts he made, though, in that span... Even he had a 6.46 ERA. And then you look at the top arms out of the bullpen, the guys who pitched the most. Jeff Brigham led the bullpen in innings pitched during that span, 27 and a third innings, 4.61 ERA. David Robertson, the second, 26 and two-third innings pitched. He had a 2.36 ERA. He was not the problem. Adam Onovino, 24 and two-third innings pitched, 
474 ERA. Dominic Leone, 22 and two third innings pitch. If you're watching on YouTube, you see a smile across my face because here's a guy who, in that worst stretch of the season for the Mets, pitched a bunch and pitched to a 5.16 ERA, and they got a top 30 prospect in the system, maybe a top 20 prospect in Jeremiah Jackson now from the Angels. Amazing. Brooks Raley was good. 1.83 ERA and nearly 20 innings pitch. Steven Nogasek, 19 and a third innings pitch, 6.52 ERA. Tommy Hunter, 18 and two thirds, 6.27 ERA. Drew Smith, 18 innings pitch, 5.50 ERA. I'm sorry, it wasn't lazy position players. While the position players weren't great, it was the pitching that was god awful for that 61 game stretch. That cratered them as much as the lineup did. And I imagine that what happens is when you're pitching, puts you in holes constantly. Alonzo and Lindor, they're not lazy, but they certainly were pressing. Marte was banged up. Jeff McNeil, pressing. Daniel Vogelback, looking over his shoulder at Mark Vientos. And you see what Vientos is doing now. Not to say that he wasn't bad, but man, imagine if you gave him consistent playing time when you called him up originally and you just rode with him. Maybe what you're seeing now, six home runs in his last 18 games, maybe that happens in July instead of in September. And who knows? Maybe that changes your season a little bit. So there's a lot of things you can point to. The bottom line is no one's ever going to know. This was just a disaster of a season for the New York Mets. And with that, time to move on and talk about the Binghamton Rumble Ponies who advanced to the championship series. That's where we should go from this because – It's time to just flush everything that happened this year and move on to the future. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good with stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the leg and thigh, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts fit way better than regular shorts that are made of the stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they fix the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs use anti-sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long and doesn't smell. It's great. You can wear your bird dogs everywhere. The thing I love about bird dogs versatility, wear it on the golf course, wear it out to dinner, wear it to church, wear it at home, watching the football games on Sunday. Cause you can relax in it and feel comfortable. If you want to try bird dogs today, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or enter the promo code locked MLB for free bird dogs water bottle with every order. That's birddogs.com, locked in MLB, or promo code locked in MLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. Promise you that. Today's show is also brought to you by DoorDash. Love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door? Now DoorDash has grocery delivery where you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. You trust a DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites now you can trust them for your groceries with thousands of grocery stores to choose from. You'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. If you want even more value, you can save on all of your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer service, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. You'll get a 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $25 value when you use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB at checkout. It's a limited time offer. Terms apply. Again, 
That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero in delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store. Enter the code LOCKEDMLB. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDMLB for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies are advancing to the championship series thanks to an outstanding pitching performance by Dominic Hamill. He allowed just three hits and two walks over seven and two-thirds of scoreless work, struck out eight. Paul Gervais came in, got the last four outs, struck out two of them, um, two of the four outs that he got, did not allow a hit or a walk. This guy looks like a potential uh, bullpen arm for the Mets in the future here. He's six foot ten. Has 96 strikeouts and 57 innings pitched this year. So that's really impressive. But here your Rumble Ponies are. They have advanced. And you look at the offense in this game. They won 2-0. Hayden Sanger was the hitter that really delivered. Uh, This is the catcher that's starting over Kevin Parada in these games thanks to his defense. He actually won the platinum glove in the organization. So you're looking at a guy in Sanger that could be a future backup catcher for the New York Mets. You know, Tomas Nito. Still in the organization, you have Omar Narvaez, both of those guys for another year. Sanger could be Alvarez's backup in 2025, honestly. He sticks around the organization. So he got a hit um, in the third inning. Ryland Thomas ended up doubling him to third. And then Luis and Helicuna got a sacrifice fly, which ultimately proved to be the winning run. Although Sanger homered in the fifth inning as well. Um, so a, a great team victory. But again, the overall story of the game was Dominic Hamill. And this guy has been lights out in September, has not allowed a run in now 21 and two-third innings pitched, has 32 strikeouts over that span, allowed just eight hits. And you look at what he's done since July. This is a guy that got off to a good start, really struggled for a couple of months where he pitched to an ERA over six. And then when the calendar turned to July, he settled down over his Last 13 starts since July, he's pitched to a 2.19 ERA over 70 innings pitch with 88 strikeouts. His strikeout per nine at 11.31 during that span and walk per nine at 4.11. You'd like to see the walk come down a little bit, but with the strikeouts that he's getting, it's okay. And then you look at the home run per nine, 0.39 has not been giving up the long ball that has helped him keep that ERA so low. And now... He's going to get to pitch probably in this championship series. It's going to begin in Binghamton on Sunday against the Erie Seawolves, the double-A affiliate of the Tigers. Blade Tidwell was going to start game three if it was necessary. Now, I think he probably gets the ball in game one on Sunday. Dominic Hamill theoretically could start game two. Christian Scott is probably an option on Sunday if the Mets wanted to go to him again. They could. Um, They could pitch him in relief if they wanted to. They could hold on to him for a potential game three. A lot of options for the Rumble opponents at this point, but really exciting to see this double-A affiliate with so much talent steamroll through the Yankees affiliate and advance to a championship uh, series here. And if they win it, at least some team in the organization had some success. And it's a team that, you know, I, I had the original locked on Binghamton Rumble Ponies episode after the deadline where you look at what happened to them at the trade deadline. And it was almost like a team that was trading for a championship push because of all the talent that they had from the Mets being sellers. And so to see it all come to fruition, 
for them to make it to the playoffs and now win a series, it's going to be fun to watch them go at it again and really see what these pitchers can do uh, in big-time games. I mean, you watched, uh, if you were watching MLB.TV and were, were following along as they won, these guys are fired up to win this game. The playoffs do mean something in the minor leagues for these guys, and uh, it'll be good to see them go out there and try to, to take this thing home. So uh, I think that's the most exciting baseball we're going to watch here over the final, you know, whatever it is, week and a half uh, of this 2023 season. But the Mets are still playing the Phillies. They have a chance to be spoilers this weekend, although it did not get off to a good foot on Thursday night. I'll discuss that game in a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wider range of betting options, including spreads, player props. So if you want to bet on Pete Alonso to hit a home run this weekend, Francisco Lindor now has the 30 stolen bases. Can he come alive in Citizens Bank Park? That's his best chance to get to the 30 home runs. He needs a couple of home runs this weekend. He just does. And then if he goes into that homestand sitting at 28, maybe Lindor can pull it off. It's looking like the odds are longer and longer on that one, but we'll see what happens along with the spreads, the player props you can bet on over-unders and more. And the New York Jets are playing the Patriots on Sunday. They're two-and-a-half-point underdogs, despite the fact that they're playing that game at home. Obviously, without Aaron Rodgers starting at quarterback, that's going to reflect in the Jets' odds on a lot of these games moving forward. But the Patriots are 0-2, so... If you're a Jets fan, you believe that that your team's going to win this weekend. You can even bound the money line uh, as your team's an underdog. And again, bet $5, you unlock that $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So that's uh, a good opportunity. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. The New York Mets play the Philadelphia Phillies at 7.05 Eastern time on Friday night. Catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM, the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, David Peterson was not great against the Phillies on Thursday night. He walked the first two batters he faced, then eventually gave up a hit to Nick Castellanos, who just killed the Mets in this game. That scored both of those walks. But the Mets, they tied it up. In the top of the second, Francisco Lindor leads off the inning with a single, then stole second base. Jeff McNeil hits a double in a big game, went three for four, was a home run away from the cycle. No, that's always the hardest one to get. Either that or the triple. The triple came for McNeil in the fourth inning, which he would score on a sacrifice fly by Francisco Alvarez. He also scored in that second inning on a single from Brett Beatty. Peterson, though, could not hold the lead. Third inning, gives up a home run to Alec Bohm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then gives him a pair of hits before Nick Castellanos gets another RBI, this one on a sacrifice fly. Altogether, Peterson made it through four innings, allowed four runs on five hits and two walks, did get seven strikeouts, did still show the flashes of the great stuff that has me believing in this guy, even though he disappoints me at every single turn. But the Mets got a run back on that triple from McNeil, and then 
In the sixth inning, they tied it up because Mark Vientos has been red hot. He had a home run. Sixth home run in his last 18 games. The tie was short-lived, though, because Nick Castellanos completed his great game where he had four RBIs by hitting a home run. It's 28th of the season in the bottom of the sixth. And ultimately, that decided the game. As I sit here, wrapping up a week of Locked On Mets, there's still more I want to discuss because originally today I wanted to do a show about how the Phillies have cut in line with the New York Mets. They weren't supposed to be the team that was challenging the Braves, yet they went to the World Series last year. And you know what? They look like as good of a threat that the Braves have right now in the National League because you look at the Dodgers rotation compared to the Phillies rotation, they got to take the Phillies. You look at the Brewers, sure, they certainly have the rotation to compete with the Braves. But I don't know if they have the lineup. The Phillies had a lineup, and they have enough pitching in that rotation, with Zach Wheeler, by the way, headlining that rotation, that they are, again, a legitimate threat here. And I I really want to spend some time, I think I'm going to even write an article about this for Just Baseball. Um, Just how did this happen? How did the Phillies cut in line? And is it going to take a long time for the Mets to catch up to the Phillies now? That's the thing that is just puzzling to me because we even went into this year, despite the Phillies going to the World Series, thinking the Mets were a better team because they won 101 games in the larger sample size of the season. And now you certainly can't say that. The Phillies, head and shoulders, have been a better team the last two years now, without a doubt. And they're going to go into next season, I would think, still being considered the better team until the Mets prove otherwise. So I'm going to do a show about this on Saturday based on the article I write. Also, as I'm writing the article, there is a really exciting new thing we're tying into the show, something that Locked On is doing now. We've partnered with Subtext. This is a way that you can get text from me personally. So if you want to sign up, the description is in, uh, or the the uh, the sign up, the, the URL is in the description of the show today. And it's a two-week free trial that is $4.99 a month where I will be sending out Subtext throughout the day you know, it'll be, you know, some of my comments during the game. I'll probably be using subtext more than Twitter now. Um, you know, when I see something during the game, I might send a subtext. If I'm working on something, I have an interesting stat, you might get that through subtext. And if you have any questions for me at any time, you can reach out to me via subtext. So it's a really cool new feature that is going to take the Locked On Mets insiders who have been tuning in every single day and give you just, another little element of continued coverage on the show. So I really do appreciate everyone who signs up and uh, follows the extra coverage I'll be providing at subtext. And also for all you everydayers, again, a really fun show, I think, just on what's happened between the Mets and the Phillies over the last couple of years, how the Phillies got to this place, and a look ahead to where these franchises are going now and how the Phillies are a team that you know is to be reckoned with for a while. A lot of these guys are locked up for some years now. And so they have a core that is to be reckoned with. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. And if you want to catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast this weekend, again, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.